Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us for another Wednesday edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. If you missed last week's episode where Kate and I provided an update on the spring practices around the Sunbelt West Division, make sure you go and check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Today's another milestone episode. It's episode 75 of the show. Caden, it's hard to believe that we're already 75 episodes into this show. Now, it's been such a fun journey. The podcast is getting old now. We're getting some episodes and some numbers on us, but definitely happy that we embarked on this journey. And it's crazy just to see how far it's gone with us, too, and just how much good feedback we've gotten. It's been a great experience and can't wait to do 75 more. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're uh, podcasting old heads now at this point after 75 episodes, but the drive to 100 now. Uh, that we're expecting that'll be in the middle of August. I was looking at the calendar the other day, so definitely moving forward. On today's episode, we're excited to update you on some news and notes from the Sunbelt East Division spring practices. We'll take you inside some of the important roster battles and highlight some guys who were being told are having big spring, strong performances in spring camp. Kane, we previewed the Sunbelt West last week and talked about several teams who might be favored heading into the 2023 season. The West is getting all the attention right now, but the East definitely should not be slept on. It definitely shouldn't be, especially when you just look historically at this conference and how much strength has been in the East. And really just going through all these teams and their spring practices, it's kind of looking like some teams are just going to be one position group or a couple position groups away from really separating themselves. So I think the East is going to be close to maybe just as competitive as the West was last year going into this year. So I think there's a ton to look at in the East. And I think whoever is able to come out on top of it, I think is going to be a very battle-tested team that's going to be tough to deny and dispute and come championship time. Yeah, certainly will be interesting. Obviously, the West won the title last year. The East can have something to say about it uh, this year. Well, let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's topic. And today, Caden, we will be talking about the spring practices for the East Division sides. And Caden, we'll go ahead and start with the App State Mountaineers. I know that's music to your ears. This is a team that they went 6-6 six and six last year. They had that historic start to the year. College game days in town. They upset Texas A&M. They went on an epic Hail Mary. But then it was all downhill from there. They missed the bowl game for the first time in program history. And then you move into the offseason, a lot of departures. Guys like Chase Bryce, Cameron Peoples, Nick Hampton, just to name a few, some big plate pieces uh, from last year's team. You're bringing back some players on defense. You've got Nate Noel back, the wide receiver group largely intact. Uh, but Caden, I think, you know, and you were at a practice uh, last week, but one of the more interesting aspects of this team is going to be this closely contested quarterback battle. Ryan Berger, who's the redshirt freshman, sat behind Bryce last year. You've got Joey Aguilar, who comes in from the Juco route, uh, who's having a good, strong spring. And Caden, I know you got a chance to talk with Coach Ponce, the new offensive coordinator, and he said, you know, if I had to choose right now who was going to be our starting quarterback, I couldn't. Yeah, first of all, shout out to App State for the alumni event they had. We had a ton of guys back in Boone watching practice, seeing the guys. But you touched on it before. It was a 6-6 six and six season last year, and it was disappointing for App. And I just felt like the overall energy was just kind of, you can kind of feel the sense of it and that the players had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they kind of had something to prove moving in and out of the drills at workouts and things like that. But you talked about it, the quarterback battle between Ryan Berger and Joey Aguilar is looking like a great one. And I think when you look right now, they're saying at app, and I was talking to Coach Ponce, one day it'll be one guy and the next day it'll be another guy. And it's just looking really tough and really closely contested. And I think just looking at the history of this position at App State, I think it being a close battle in the spring is a good thing. I think both of these guys are going to be able to push each other and going into the fall camp. Coach Pond said this is the kind of thing that he thinks is going to get decided maybe a week or two before the first game. So it's looking like it's really competitive. And I think whoever does get that starting job is going to have so much respect from their team from just battling in the job throughout the whole offseason. So Berger showed some promise last year in his 
limited reps playing. He had some good pocket presence, and he looks like he's built on that going into the spring. And Aguilar, man, this kid has a cannon. He has a hose for an arm. He's an experienced guy, and he looks like he has some great chemistry with receivers already. So I think it's going to be a very fun and interesting offseason. And just by judging how close the battle is now, whoever does come out on top, I think the team is going to be very confident in moving forward in the season. You mentioned the wide receivers. A lot of familiar faces back on this team. Expect a strong unit there. Uh, But, Caden, I want to talk about the running back room because that is how App State has built their identity. Chase Bryce kind of changed that a lot with, you know, a little bit more of an air raid type style. But, you know, you're getting guys like Nate Noel back. Amani Marshall are going to kind of be that one-two punch for this team. They had pretty good springs from what you've said. And then also kind of maybe expect to see some Anderson Castle in there as well. Do you think those three guys can replace Cameron Peoples? I think that it can. When you look at this App State team, it's really always kind of been a running back by committee type of system. It's, it's the only outlier really being Darrington Evans when he had that monster season. But someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get banged up. And someone's going to have to always step up to the plate. And even when you look at Cam's past with some injuries he had to deal with, Nate Noel kind of came onto the scene because Cam had some injuries. So I think depth has always been a thing and a stable of running backs has always been a thing at App. And I do think this is looking like a serviceable group. Nate's obviously the old head now, the experienced guy who's going to get a majority of the reps, but saw some promising things out of Amani Marshall last year, especially against Texas A&M, just a big body. And Anderson Castle's an experienced guy now. And don't sleep on Kanye Roberts either, who had a promising freshman year in his few snaps and looking like he's wearing 14 to app. That's a very special number. And he has some hype around him as well. So I think year after year, this is going to be a unit and a group that's going to have strength in numbers. And it's looking like this year is going to be no different for app. Yeah, you have to imagine they want to see Nate Noel stay healthy. There was a lot of health issues with him last year, but when he was on the field, he was electric. Caden, let's move past the offense and get right to defense because I know that's near and dear to your heart, and it was also the unit that probably was the worst last year for this App State team. They really got taken advantage of, and that's not something that you've been able to say a lot lately. Um, you know, there's a lot more depth up front. They bring in guys like Sean Collins, Michael Fletcher, who's, you know, as, as you said, as big as advertised uh, when we were talking ahead of this episode. But, Kane, let's get to the secondary because last year there was a lot of communication issues. There was a lot of struggles back there. And now you have to imagine Coach Sloan, that has to be priority number one to clean up this offseason. It definitely is. And when you look at the secondary at practice and really the defense as a whole, when I was talking to some people, the biggest thing has just been keeping people up to speed on the terminology, keeping people from making those mental mistakes, because it's really alignment assignment football when you're playing under Coach Sloan. His team has been known to have experienced guys, veteran guys, smart guys who know what they're doing. And that just is something you have to build throughout the offseason with a new staff, some new staff members and some new players. But looking at the back end this year, it's been looking good. It got Nick Ross back there. Jackson Green and Ronald Clark are all experienced safeties. And then even Jordan Favors, a younger safety, has been having a good, promising spring camp. And I think that strength in the back end and strength in the safety unit is going to be big for this team moving forward, especially with communication across the board. And Coach Stone's the kind of guy who loves to use DBs. So the more DBs that are good for this team, the more interesting they can get and exotic they can get on third down. But like I talked about before with the transfer portal rankings, the cornerback out of Richmond, is looking great this camp. They say he's the kind of guy where you kind of lose track of him in practice because he's too busy locking up one of the receivers and the quarterbacks just don't look his way. So Tyreek Funderburk has been having a great camp from what I'm hearing. So it looks like maybe there's a chance that that corner position that's kind of always had a dude, a first team all-conference dude, might continue with a guy like Tyreek Funderburk out, out wide this year. Hey, that would certainly help. And a resurgence on defense would go a long way to maybe getting App State back in that title conversation where they have been so consistently over the last couple of years, Kane, we'll move on to James Madison, the Dukes, 8-3 and three last year. 
this kind of their encore in the Sun Belt. And the question is, what can they do for that encore? They tied Coastal Carolina for the East Division title last year, but as has been well documented, uneligible for the postseason. This will be their second year in the Sun Belt. Okay, and the Dukes are interesting. They had, you know, a lot of big name departures. Todd Centeo, the offensive player of the year last year, Percy J. Obisay, Chris Thornton, just to name a few on offense. But they are bringing back some guys. Latrell Palmer, Kalen Black, going to be part of a really deep running back room for James Madison this fall. Torres Jones is the linebacker. He's going to lead a group of eight returners uh, on defense. We know how good that Dukes defense was a year ago. They went into the portal, Caden, and I, and I think they came out with some dogs here. Jordan McLeod from Arizona State. Brent Griffiths uh, comes from Wake Forest. You bring in Phoenix Sproles from North Dakota State. And we're even hearing some good things about Tyson Lawson out of Stony Brook, the running back. Caden, uh, the biggest storyline, though, much like App State here, is the quarterback battle. Four-way battle right now for that starting quarterback job. Jordan McLeod, Brett Griffiths are the early favorites for that job. I would kind of put McLeod ahead of Griffiths. But we're hearing Alonzo Barnett's having a good spring so far, as is Billy Atkins. So there's a lot of intrigue there, and that is going to be interesting because there's a lot of pieces coming back for this Dukes team, but quarterback feels like a major question mark right now. Especially when you have a guy like Todd Santeo leaving who just made such a big impact and imprint on the conference last year and was just probably the most explosive dual threat quarterback we've seen in the Sunbelt in quite a while. But obviously big shoes to fill. But when I hear that there's a four-way quarterback battle and they're splitting reps, sounds kind of opposite of the App State situation. It doesn't sound like there's too much urgency right now to find who their top guy is. It sounds like it's more of a priority that's going to be in the fall versus the spring. It sounds like they're kind of just trying to figure out who their next quarterback is going to be, find out the skill set of all their guys. And you talked about it. Transfers like Jordan McLeod, he's the most experienced guy by far on this team. Brett Griffiths is a redshirt freshman. The rest of the room is just redshirt freshman and sophomore. So I think it's really going to be about figuring out who maybe fits the best mold for this offense, who has the most command of this offense, because it is going to be a talented group like it is per usual. But talking about a guy like Billy Atkins last year who had some struggles, maybe some of these red shirt guys aren't as experienced. So maybe if they don't find their way, you're going to see it go more and more in the direction of a guy like Jordan McLeod. But I think this position more than anything, more than any other school or team really in the conference, I think is going to be the most important just because of how elevated it was last year and how how just great of heights it was taken to because of a guy like Todd Santeo. Yeah, 100% there. You know, when you look at James Madison, they're bringing back their entire offensive line. We mentioned eight starters back on defense. That gives them a really high floor. You get an elevator at quarterback, and maybe you hit on some wide receivers who we're going to talk about now, where those wide receiver group, you lose Devin Ravenel, Chris Thornton, some really good receivers last year, but Caden, they bring in Phoenix Sproles from North Dakota State. They go to the FCS route. Omarion Dolison from Southern Florida. Uh, Elijah Surratt, whose brother was on the team uh, last year, comes from St. Francis. It feels like wide receiver is going to be another big area that the Dukes have to improve. But from what we've been hearing early on, those wide receivers are having a huge spring. Yeah, it's interesting because Reggie Brown is quite literally the only wide receiver on this team that has experience. Peyton Hunter is the only other wide receiver on this team that recorded a catch last season that's on the current roster. So I think that's why they hit the portal so hard and you saw them get those guys. And I think for me, guy like Phoenix Sproles is definitely promising. He comes from a North Dakota State program, so he has that championship pedigree. Talked about Amari Dollison from USF who has had some promising things. I think it's going to be a really, truly a banger bust year for this wide receiver group. You're talking about coaches going in the portal kind of to have some instant production this wide receiver group is definitely a sign of that they wouldn't have gotten two 
elite dominant receivers from other programs if they thought this was a position that they didn't have need at. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this group, but there was a lot of pressure on this group last year and there's a lot of production out of this group last year. So really, I think it's going to be about them getting chemistry with the eventual starting quarterback and just trying to pick up where they left off last year as far as their production. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And and Caden, we know how big of a proponent you are for defense. You've changed my opinion on that side of the football as well. Eight starters back for this Dukes team. They were arguably the best defense in the conference a season ago. That feels like it's huge and potentially will give them some early season hype. Continuity is key on defense. There's nothing that gives me more confidence in a defense than hearing about how many starters come back. And when you talk about teams like a JMU, like a Marshall who we'll get to earlier, like a South Alabama team we've talked about in the past, it's music to any program's ears having this many defensive players come back from an already good defensive side of the ball. So out of all the units that I'm worried about, this JMU defense is one of the last ones just because of how much talent they're bringing back and the continuity. I think there's a lot more question marks on the offensive side of the ball coming into the season. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Dukes, a couple more weeks of spring practice still to go. Saturday, April 22nd will be the Dukes spring game. Kane, let's move on to the Marshall Thundering Herd. They finished last year 9-4. and four. They defeat UConn in that Myrtle Beach Bowl. Really the biggest change in the offseason. They have a new defensive coordinator, Jason Seymour, comes in to replace Lance Guidry, who first goes to Tulane, then ends up at Miami. Some big-name departures from this program. Their leading wide receiver, Corey Gamage, transfers Kalen Laybourne exhausts his eligibility. Gilmore at the back end of the defense is gone amongst some other players back there. But Kane, they're bringing back some big names as well. And, you know, a guy like Cam Fancher, you're bringing back Rasheen Ali, who arguably would have been one of the best running backs in the conference. I'm hearing he's healthy and looking good this spring. Uh, Kane, I thought this was an interesting note. We, I had a chance to reach out to Luke Creasy, who we've had on the podcast earlier. He thinks that, you know, he's seen some improvement from Cam Fancher this spring. Uh, He did say, and this was interesting, and I'm going to discount this next note, was that he could be challenged for that starting job by Cole Pennington, who you might recognize that last name. His dad played in the NFL. I think this is Fancher's job to lose. Luke felt the same way. Uh, But definitely, I thought that was intriguing to hear that maybe there is a chance that it isn't Fancher heading into week one. Yeah, I think anytime you have a true freshman getting his name into the conversation as a quarterback for a quarterback battle, it's a great sign for your program. I think Cole's obviously the son of Chad Pennington, so he has that pedigree and he knows the quarterback. And if he's not the quarterback of, he, he's going to be the quarterback of the future, whether it's immediate or long term, we'll see. But I think him having a hot start is just so rare that you have to look at it as a positive. There's not many freshmen that come into camp and have their name into the conversation like that in a quarterback battle, but that might not be as good of news for Cam Fancher, but him being pushed this offseason, I think is better than him becoming complacent and feeling like he has the job in the back. So I think him getting pushed and it not getting handed to him is going to be a good thing, but hopefully he's takes some more leaps and bounds. Cause I do think he's ultimately going to be the key to this team really taking a giant leap this season and being maybe in that ranked conversation, that conference championship conversation, that undefeated conversation. Yeah, if he has a good year, you couple that with Rasheen Ali, and then as we talk about this next position group and wide receiver, that's kind of a big question heading into the fall. You know, you lose a guy like Corey Gamage, who led the team in receiving yards the last three seasons. There is some young talent, though, at that position, and you've got guys like Charles uh, Montgomery and Brian Robinson at wide receiver. Talik Keaton kind of comes back with the most experience, but he's been limited by injury. You really feel like that Fancher or whoever this quarterback ends up being for Marshall really needs to put in that extra work with those wide receivers because if they can get that outside game going, this team becomes even more dangerous with a healthy Rasheen Ali in the backfield. 
Yeah, you nailed it on the head there, Noah, just because when you looked at this past game of his Marshall team last year, there was just it was just tough to kind of see that chemistry. It looked like there was moments where Cam Fancher and Gamage were the only two receiver quarterback duos that kind of had chemistry. And you look at this team last year, they bring back Montgomery, who's their second leading wide receiver. But then after that, Brian Roberts only had one catch last season. Talit Keaton hasn't played. He didn't play the whole month of November, holding up a month of December. Hopefully he's getting healthier and better and back on the field. But I think Trying to get that chemistry is going to be a key because that's something that this group has struggled with. And I think some of that has to do with some of the issues they had in the protection game in the past game. But I think another thing, too, is just replacing Gamage's touchdown production. He's, this was a team that only had 16, 16 touchdown receptions. Last year, Gamage had six of them. The tight end, Devin Miller, had two of them. And then it's a lot of zeros and ones. So they're going to need some bigger plays. They're going to need some bigger chemistry. And I think they're going to need a lot more out of this wide receiver group, maybe, than they've had in the past if they really want to be an elite team this year. Yeah, they were able to rely on Kalen Laybourne a ton uh, last year. Caden, secondary is interesting. You lose a couple of pieces there, but you do keep Micah Abraham. You bring in a guy like J.J. Roberts from Wake Forest, amongst others on that defensive side of the football, but you bring your two big names back, Eli Neal at linebacker, Owen Porter uh, on that offense, or that defensive line, rather. Um, really was huge for this team to keep those guys. They've had big springs so far, and you know that's great because ultimately – you're under a new defensive coordinator, although it is a very similar philosophy to what Lance Guidry had back in the day. Uh, but this Marshall defense, much like James Madison, was really good last year. They needed to be really good again this season. Again, another unit that I'm just simply not too worried about. J.J. Roberts almost made my transfer portal um, list when we were talking about defensive players. He just didn't have quite the production. But I feel like coming from a program like Wake Forest and coming into a system and an established defensive culture like Marshall might be able to get the most out of him. I think they might be even improved from last year which is tough to say just from all the people they lost on the back end but they brought back so much talent and it's really hard to deny that the best statistical defense from Marshall last year can get any worse just from losing a coordinator and a couple players they're probably going to keep that pedigree going and we talked a little bit earlier in previous episodes about a guy like Jason Seymour I like his resume at Georgia Tech and Valdosta State I like his football mind and what he's been able to do and the stops he's made in the process so this is a defense where I think where the question marks are is something I'm a little bit more excited about versus worried about going into this season. Yeah, definitely. Caden, I'm going to put you on the spot here. One last thing for Marshall uh, on offense for Sheena Lee back over under 15 rushing touchdowns this fall for Ali. Oh, I think it's going to depend a lot about how those transfer porter wide receivers look and how Cam Fancher looks this season. But I'm going to take the over on that. I think we talked about Rasheen Ali being healthy. Him at his peak is just hard to deny. And then they bring in A.J. Turner, who's apparently showing some promise, but is still a younger guy. He only had 17 carries last year, had 5.9 yards a carry, which is great. But I think Rasheen Ali is still going to be that main bell cow. And I think it's not going to be like a Kalen Laybourne and Rasheen Ali situation. I think it's going to be Rasheen Ali and then maybe an occasional switch up of character so I would take the over on that right now we'll see but I think it's going to be a dangerous year for Rasheen Ali I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder after the weird and strange season he had last year yeah I would also be taking the over as well on that one Caden we'll move on to Coastal Carolina and it's been an interesting offseason uh, in Conway South Carolina this is a team that finishes nine and four last year uh, they were nine and one heading into that uh, Dukes game uh, to end the regular season. They lose that, then they lose to Troy in the Sun Belt final. They lose those final three games of the year. Jamie Chadwell departs. In comes uh, Coach Beck, uh, who we've heard a lot of good things on or about. Caden, really, the biggest thing you've got to talk about here: Grayson McCall's back, so that automatically keeps Coastal Carolina inside that title conversation in the league. 
Uh, they're bringing back all four of their running backs. They're bringing back the talent at wide receiver. This offense should be loaded again and very easily could put up big numbers. People are saying Grayson McCall looks faster. He looks stronger and he's healthy. Uh, that could be dangerous for the rest of the league if if the three-time Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year is even better than he's been. Yeah, everything you just said is just absolutely bad news for every defense that has to face this offense this year. It's hard to really predict a fall-off happening with this offense unless Tim Beck and Travis Trickett really drop the ball. They have plenty of weapons, all of the weapons they had from last year. They'll be able to use Sam Pinckney, who I thought was out of eligibility. I was wrong. He's back again. He used all his eligibility, just like me, so I'm, that's the only reason I can joke with it. But I think you look at this offense, it's all upside. There's no way that this offense somehow looks worse than last year. Their scheme last year, don't get me wrong, and the scheme in previous years with Jamie Chabot was elite and it was tough to stop. But I think bringing in some new life with Tim Beck and Travis Trickett running the offense, they're probably having a field day just figuring out which weapons they want to use at which times in different ways to utilize them, especially a guy like Travis Trickett, who's coming from a USF team that just had so much less talent. So I think it's going to be a good off season for this offense. I think they have a great time and Grayson McCall looking even better. is just something I can't even wrap my head around right now. Yeah, it was interesting. I heard a note uh, on this offense. We were kind of interested in what it would look like. I am hearing that, you know, some of what Jamie Chadwell used to do has, has stayed in the offensive game plan. There obviously is going to be changes. We expect some more throwing, more of a pro-style offense, but it will be interesting to see what pieces are kept, and, and we've seen how good Grayson McCall is in that offense. Caden, defensively for Coastal Carolina, this is the huge question mark. It was ultimately what really hurt them a year ago. Uh, really just expecting a new look defense under defensive coordinator Craig Niver. Guys like Jared Clark, Lance Boykin, DeJordan Strong, Josiah Stewart are all gone. Those were household names on defense. If there was one bright spot, though, right now, and we've seen some strong play in spring practice, it's the experienced linebacking core. Headlined by JT Killen, Shane Bruce is back, Trey Pickney um, have all come back. That linebacking core really needs to be huge because there's some question marks up front as well as in the secondary heading into the fall. Yeah, it's interesting on defense having your linebacking core being your strongest position just because on the field, it's kind of like no man's land. You kind of don't want your best player to be a linebacker just because they the, the run game is going to have its flaws with the defensive line and the pass game is going to have flaws if your secondary is not good. So it kind of leaves the linebackers in limbo. But as far as having command of the defense and having leadership, you want it coming out of your linebacking group that's going to get the calls out and get everybody in check and lined up. So that is a promising sign for Coastal. But like we talked about before in the previous episode, when we were talking about the new additions to the conference at the coaching spots. Craig Niver is a guy who's run that 3-4 defense, and the strength of that has been on the back end. And we talked about how the secondary had its struggles last season. So very curious to see this season if they still have those struggles in the secondary, if any adjustments are made. But really looking at this offense and what they brought back and this defense being the Achilles heel last year, you just have to make sure your back end, your front guys, this spring is going to be all about just mental reps, getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody in check and not having any busts in coverage like you did last year, because that really just hurt this team when you look at their season last year, despite them making it to the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Despite all of that, though, hearing a couple of good reports about Tobias Fletcher and Taven Jackson uh, in that secondary, they were on the team last year, expected to have bigger roles uh, this season. Caden, we'll move on. Georgia Southern, this one's interesting. Uh, again, another Sunbelt East team with a quarterback battle here. We saw a lot of quarterback talent leave the Sunbelt East uh, after the 2022 season. Uh, they've got seven quarterbacks on the roster right now at Georgia Southern. Davis Brin, the transfer from Tulsa. J.C. French, though, kind of getting the majority of the snaps during spring practice. Clay Helton continues to stress that this is an open competition 
But I have to imagine the starting quarterback for Georgia Southern is coming from either Bryn or French. Yeah, all those quarterbacks that are on the roster are not, not going to be in this competition. There's just not teams in the country that have that much depth to really do it. But I think it's interesting when you look at these two quarterbacks because they're very, very different. I mean, you look at a guy like Davis Bryn. He's an experienced guy that kind of gives you that Kyle Vantrese aura. He's a 60-year guy who started 22 games in his career threw for 2,000 yards last year and 3,000 the year before. So he's proven that he can sling the rock around the yard, threw for 17 touchdowns and 18 touchdowns. So he's an experienced guy going into his last season that can probably fill in and plug and play that role and do similar things that Kyle Van Trice did. But when you look at a guy like J.C. French, very opposite. He's only a freshman. He did not play a snap for tennis for Memphis last year in his only season there. And it's good to hear again, like we talked about before, freshmen being in the competition like that because it's very rare. And I know this is something you can take with a grain of salt, but he did start as a freshman in high school as well and was dazzling. He threw for the six most passing yards in the nation out of Roswell, Georgia. So he was a highly touted recruit and a guy that does have talent, just hasn't proven it yet. So it's going to be very interesting hearing about how the proven guy versus the unproven guy as far as resumes go shake out during this camp for them. Hey, we all know Brian Ellis, a quarterback whisperer down at Georgia Southern. A lot of good quarterbacks uh, under him in recent years. Caden, a new defensive coordinator. I don't know how big of a loss it was to lose Will Harris. He takes the job in the NFL for the San Diego (laughs) Chargers. I mean, I'm just being honest. That Georgia Southern defense uh, was dreadful last year. Uh, It wasn't all his fault. There were certainly some injuries they dealt with and some other things, but You bring in Brandon Bailey, who really the most interesting aspect of this is you go get the defensive coordinator that held you to 21 points in your bowl game. He comes from Buffalo, so hoping he can turn some things around defensively because the offense will probably be there. Caden, here's a reason why I'm high on Georgia Southern again heading into this year. It's the continued depth at wide receiver. You get Caleb Hood back. You get Derwin Burgess back. Uh, and then also just hearing some great things about Anthony Queeley, the transfer from Syracuse, Jalen Barden, uh, the transfer from Pitt have kind of turned heads early on this spring. Another guy to keep an eye on to Dalen Cobb, who was on the team last year, averaged nine yards uh, per catch in limited action. But wide receiver group should be deep again. And if they can get that quarterback situation figured out, watch out for Georgia Southern in the passing game. Well, of course, Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess came back. I mean, these are guys that came into Georgia Southern thinking they were going to go to a triple option school. And then last year, they're both top 10 in the conference in catches. So huge for them for the season they had last year. But no, out of every team in the conference, the wide receiver position can't be more important than it is in Southern. And bringing back your wide receiver one and two, which is really in my book, like a 1A and a 1B with Hood and Burgess is huge. And I think we talked about it when we chatted with Brian Ellis, talked about how you build that just chemistry and the the building the offense rep after rep after rep. Well, these are two guys that have done that, and these are going to be the best friends of whoever starting at quarterback and likely already best friends with some of these guys in the spring just because their experience and their pedigree and what they've proven at the position. But bringing in extra guys and bringing in talent from some of these ex- exciting Power 5 schools is definitely exciting. You talked about Anthony Keeley. He's, guy, a, he's a guy who's thankfully a little bit bigger than those two guys we talked about before. He's a 6'2 body, 200 pounds. So he's probably one of the bigger threats that they have out wide now at Southern, who's going to be a nice changeup for them. And he only play, he's only played in three games last season for Syracuse, but he's a guy who at one point in his career at Syracuse was their most targeted guy. And this is a team that's going to get their receivers a lot of targets. So it's great to hear that. And a guy like Jalen Barton too, didn't get that much burn at Pitt, but he's a big play guy, 16.5 yards per catch. So it's looking like they're bringing in two guys that do things that are a little bit different than Hood and Burgess, which I think is even more exciting when you're looking at this receiver group for Southern. That's scary to think about if Georgia Southern's passing attack gets better than it was last year. That unit was elite uh, with Kyle Van Treese as the quarterback. 
Caden, uh, they'll play their spring game April 22nd. I did want to note, too, I forgot to mention Coastal Carolina. They're actually playing their spring game uh, this Saturday on April 8th. That'll conclude spring practice for them. Last two teams in the Sun Belt East, Georgia State and Old Dominion. Caden, uh, two teams that had really bad years last year, and it will be interesting to watch them again here in 2023. I don't think there's massive hopes that they're going to take huge leaps forward. Uh, Georgia State here in some good reports about KZ Adams had a huge performance in their spring game back on March 9th, ran for 152 yards and four touchdowns. Take that with a grain of salt, obviously, in a spring game, but he's a player that ran for 3,000 yards and 39 total touchdowns as a senior uh, out of Columbia, South Carolina. A um, couple other things here, a lot of transfers on this roster, 13 players from the portal. They bring in guys like Kevin Swint, who you were high on in our transfer episode. Uh, Rance Connor from Louisville, Henry Bryant also from Louisville. Uh, that was maybe the the two for one deal uh, for the trade for the wide receiver uh, that went over to uh, Louisville. <laughs> also keep an eye on Chad Staggs. Um, you know he is the new defensive coordinator after uh, Fuqua went up to Cincinnati. Staggs comes from Coastal Carolina. Uh, so some intrigue here for Georgia State. Caden, uh, what are your general thoughts uh, on Georgia State and their spring so far? First of all, I don't know how their defensive coordinator got a promotion. Just going to be honest, this team gave up 31 points last year, like 170 rush yards per game. That's only better than like Southern ULM and Old Dominion last year. So this was not a great defense last year. And then they bring in the, the guy, Chad Staggs from Coastal Carolina. And we talked about how much struggles their secondary had last year. And he was a coach that was not only their defensive coordinator, but their secondary coach. And that was one of the worst, if not the worst secondary in the conference last year, despite having the talent like we talked about with guys like Boykin and then Jordan Strong. And I think this unit now, when you look at it, the strength of it last year was a secondary, but now, now you're losing Antavius Lane, you're losing Aquavian White. So I think it's going to be very interesting looking at this secondary for this Georgia State team who was their strength last year, might be their weakness this year, and they're bringing in a coach that was his weakness last year. So I think that's something that they're going to have to look at. And then I think the Casey Adams spring game, you can take it with a grain of salt, but I do think talking about the Georgia State running back room is always something that's going to be relevant. They lose a Tucker Gregg, they usually lose a Jemias Williams. We're all expecting Marcus Carroll to be the running back one after the strong showing he had in the last four games of the season last year. But with Adams is a 5'8", 175-pound smaller back. Maybe it's a different dynamic when you look at him and Carroll being the one-two punch next year. But I think that run game is going to be key, and I think that secondary and defense as a whole is going to be key for usual. And then again, if Darren Granger is able to come back and put that Superman cape on, could be an interesting year for Georgia State, but they're going to need some of those transfer portal guys to hit as well. Hey, great point there about Darren Granger. Uh, he's one of just two returning quarterbacks on Sunbelt East Division uh, sides here. Uh, Caden, uh, last up here, Old Dominion, they finished last in the Sunbelt East last season. You lose a ton of guys, the Zach Kuntzes, the Nick Saldaveris, the Blake Watsons, the Ollie Jennings. Uh, quarterback battle this spring has been interesting. Hayden Wolf, kind of the presumptive starter, but he's not being gifted anything right now. He's in a three-way competition uh, with Grant Wilson, who is the Fordham transfer. He was the backup there last year under new offensive coordinator Kevin Decker, so watch out maybe uh, for Grant Wilson to maybe sneak into that starting role. Jack Shields also in the competition as a redshirt sophomore. They're bringing back just 10 starters from that 2022 season, Caden. We've learned our lesson. You look at the number of starters coming back, and that screams that Old Dominion probably not set up for a great year this year. 
Yeah, they're in rebuild mode. I mean, when you're not bringing back a ton of starters and your team wasn't very good to start off with, it's not the best position to be in. And I think the open quarterback competition says it all. I think a guy like Hayden Wolf, who has proven and maybe could have possibly potentially, you could say, has earned that starting spot just from taking his lumps last year, now has to compete for it. And I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic with him and the quarterback from Fordham, just because the Fordham quarterback's obviously going to be more experienced with that offense. But I think Hayden Wolf is just more experienced at large. And we know they're both going for that up-tempo offensive attack this season. So, look, it's a rebuild for Old Dominion this year. They're trying to use their <laughs> spring practice right now as a teaching opportunity to get their guys up to speed and see what their team and their roster depth is going to look like. So they're obviously a little bit more behind than some of the teams we've been talking about on this episode. But I think it's a fun, challenging, exciting experience for the players on that team. It's open competition. It's open season. And if they get some dogs on the field this year, maybe they can make some things interesting. Yeah, certainly will be interesting. Ton of intrigue in the Sun Belt East, particularly at the quarterback position uh, and some other aspects of that side of the conference. Should be an exciting 2023 season, but a lot to sort out here as the spring practice concludes and we move into fall camp uh, in the month of August. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Thanks for continuing to support the show throughout the offseason. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the offseason as we get you set for the 2023 Sunbelt football season. We also hope you enjoyed our James Madison sock giveaway, courtesy of our new partner, Rock'em Socks. Uh, Rock'em Socks has over 30 Sunbelt-themed sock designs that you need to check out. You can check them out uh, at rock'emsocks.com slash Smith. Uh, also, make sure you keep an eye out for our latest giveaway this coming Friday. Not dropping any hints, Caden, but uh, there is one fan base that loves to hate us that might like us on Friday. But uh, lastly, here's a quick <laughs> reminder about our mailbag. If you have Sunbelt football-related questions you'd like answered, send them our way by emailing prairiansmith at gmail.com. In the coming weeks, we'd certainly love to hear from you. Before you go, don't forget, we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Prairie in Smith podcast. So make sure you set that invite on your phone or that reminder on your phone. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the remainder of the offseason. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>